Welcome to the World Art Now podcast, exploring the world through the material culture of its people, in association with Michael Backman Limited. I'm Michael Backman, and I'm here with Nerissa Chakrabong. This is the second of our podcast with Nerissa, who is a, both a, a member of the extended Tyrol family and also an important publisher of art books. Nerissa is the founder and publisher of River Books. In this role, Nerissa's contribution to the preservation of our knowledge of the arts, particularly those of Southeast Asia, has been really immense. Nerissa has published dozens of titles on Southeast Asian art, uh, culture and history, as well as other titles in other areas that might otherwise have never been published. Through her, many writers have been able to have their books published and many readers around the world have been able to access knowledge and information that they otherwise would not have been able to. Nerissa, your father, Prince Chilo uh, Chakrabong, uh, who was a, a grandson of, of King Chilolongkorn, was a prolific writer. Is your involvement in writing and publishing a conscious con con continuation of his work or did you come to it quite separately? Um, I came to it quite separately, actually, um, because I went to the Courtauld Institute, did a degree in art history, and then I was starting a PhD, and my then-husband, his secretary, left, and so I came and helped him, and he had a very, very small publishing company. Oh. He had been an accountant, and he collected toy trains and antique toys, and he'd done a couple of books, and then he wanted to do some more, and she was the person who did the editing and, and uh, proofread everything. And he said, oh, come and help me out for a bit. So I did. And then I found I really liked it. And um, I thought that my PhD, no one would really want to read it anyway. So I might as well give it up. And, uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and so then I started, I became a, a sort of co-publisher of books on antique toys. Oh. And then Alan and I um, founded the London Toy and Model Museum. We carried on the publishing. Hmm. And then when our marriage broke down, hmm. um, he gave me the Poison Chalice of New Cavendish Books, which our company was called. And um, it actually wasn't making much money at that time. Right. Um, but um, I soon realised that he, we hadn't been pricing the books correctly. And um, so then I started doing books on my own. And we did some great books, actually. I mean wonderful book on uh, model soldiers, Britain's toy soldiers, book on paper soldiers, which is a beautiful book. Right. And lots right. of other very obscure books. But mm. um, when I then moved back to Thailand, um, I realised that there weren't actually a lot of books on Thai art and culture. Mm. And I knew a friend, uh, Michael Freeman, who's a very good photographer. And so I talked to him and I said, why don't we do a book together? And that was the first River Books art book, really. Right. Right. And it's a beautiful book called uh, Temples of the Gods, Palaces oh, of the Gods, right. Palaces of the Gods. Right. And I actually got distribution through Thames and Hudson, ah, which is a you know, very well-known um, British art mm. publisher, and did several books with them. So then after Palaces of the Gods, then I did a book on UTR and several others, and then started. And then once you've done a few books, yes. um, people start coming to you. Yes. And so right away, did you start with the River Books label? Was that how it started? No, actually. What happened before was I did do a book on the um, descendants of King Chulalongkorn, which was a genealogy with a lot of photos. Yes. And that's how I met my colleague at River Books, Paisan, Biamedawad, oh. who's very important um, Mm. part of the business. Indeed. And um, so the first publishing company was called Pisanulo Publishing, 
which is the um, sort of ducal name of my grandfather. Oh, okay. He was Prince Chakrabong's Prince of Pisanulong. But obviously I realised that in English that doesn't roll off the tongue, <laughs> has no. certain negative it connotations. It rolls, rolls off your tongue, <laughs> uh, that, probably not mine. Um, so. So, so then, you know, various names were suggested. Yes. And um, I really like river books and being mm. on the river, the house and the offices on the river. Yes. Uh, that seemed a very good a good right. name and then another friend did the logo for me which you know sometimes things just work straight away I think mm. the logo is very good yes and and it just went on from there really and mm. um, after I'd done about 10 books I suppose um, you know I've now got I mean I don't know how many books I've published now hundreds yes and yeah. um, and people approach me with far more projects than I can really do. Yes yes I mean when you say hundreds that, that's totally true I mean if I go I mean I have a huge book collection and um, I often have River Books books without realising that they're from you. And if I look along the spines and see your logo, it's book after book after book. And I think, my God, I've been buying these books for years. And I hadn't realised <laughs> that uh, they, they were yours. Yeah. Um, have you, uh, so when you set up uh, as a publisher, did you model yourself on any particular other publishers? Are there any that you admire? Well, I, lo I love Thames and Hudson. Yes. You know, yes. I think they do fabulous books. Yes. Um, so, and then, you know, going to the Courtauld Institute, um, I had all their World of Art series uh, as a young, as a student, you know. And mm. um, so I think they're a great publisher and no one else in particular, really. Um, I just wanted to also show that Thai printing and binding could be world class. Right, and and it, it so that's quite an important thing. And, and for do you me. still get all of the books uh, printed and and bound in Thailand? Yes, and I know right. that's probably slightly foolish in terms of maybe I could get uh, you know a few oh, cents off or, in yes. in China. Yes, yes. Um, but I've done, I did one book with a printer in, in Singapore, which was such a disaster, I had to reject it. Oh, right. Because the right. quality was just not there. Right. And uh, so I'm very wary about it. Right. Um, well, I, I'd like to say, yes, I mean, I'd, I'd endorse that. I mean, your, your books are incredibly well produced. And, um, and, and the fact that they come from Thailand does indeed show that uh, what Thailand is capable of. Mm, mm. So absolutely no, no problems on, on that score. Um, so you, you've been... Um, Involved in publishing, what for, for say thirty years? God, a long time. Yes. yes, I mean, I go to the Frankfurt Book Fair every year, yes. and um, two years ago, not last year, but the year before that, I got a cake. When you've been going to the Frankfurt Book Fair for twenty-five years, oh, right. you get a Schwarzwald Kirsch torte, <laughs> right. and um, and it's very nice actually. And the person who comes round with it loves doing it, right? And you get this cake, and then you don't really want to eat it, but. You share it with all your your yes. stand, the stands next door, and things yes. like that. Yes. Um, yes. So I've been doing it a long time, and um, I still enjoy it. Hmm. I think um, each project is a new project. Yes. Yeah. And the sort of um, anyone who's a publisher listening or <laughs> will will sympathise probably. You go through the sort of stages, you know. So you sign the contract, and the author is very excited, and then they go away and find that maybe the book is more difficult than they thought it might be. Other things take over, and they realise they're going to be late. Yes. And some people get anxious, but actually, every author is always late. Every author is always late, and often, 
that it needs a lot of work and then how to talk to them about the editing. Because mm. a lot of the people who write the books that I publish are not professional authors. No. They're no. collectors yes. or they're people who know a lot about their subject. They yes. may not be good writers. Or they're academics who or they often could be are Thai, writers. Thai oh, yes. who, and then they've been translated into English. Yes. And the whole way of talking about art or, or talking about um, influences or provenance or anything like that is yes. quite different in Thai and English. Yes, I think also when you go from one language to another, uh, <coughs> in English, uh, good English, uh, as it's written, should be quite active, the sentences. Yes. But uh, many other cultures, perhaps Italian and maybe Thai, uh, it's often very passive. How, yes. how So the focus of, of the, the sentence is usually hidden up the back. Yes, and, exactly. And the French are very good at this, and so the, it seems unnecessarily flowery and, and too descriptive and, and so on. So, French to English is very difficult, yes. actually, and I've done yes. quite a lot of that ah, translation myself. Right which I also enjoy translation, so I find it very soothing. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> which, I mean, I think I've talked yes. to a few other translators too. It's almost like doing a game. It's like playing a game. Yes, I, I, it's also, it's a bit like editing as well. I, I don't mind editing myself, actually, uh, because it's like a process of starting with a rough uh, block of marble and then just chiseling away, mm. chiseling away, and eventually you end up with something really quite beautiful. And, yes. and that's what editing feels like. Yes, and um, design too is very nice, you know, getting yes. the words and the pictures to also. So I find the whole craft of publishing right. very enjoyable. Right, right. Um, because, you know, some people say, well, my husband mainly, <laughs> you work too hard, you're doing too many things. Yes. Um, but actually, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's uh, hugely annoying sometimes. Well, it's become a lot easier to do it on the run too these days. When you're traveling, you can just rip out your laptop and, and just start work. Exactly. Uh, and so it's exactly. become easier in that regard. How, I mean, do, how do you find uh, writers when it comes to being edited? Are they happy, by and large, to be edited, or do you have to negotiate depends. over every it full depends. stop? I mean, some people, like Dawn Rooney, who I know you're friends with, yes. doesn't want anyone else to edit her books. She likes me to Only do her you. books. Yes, yes. And we've, you know, we work well together, I think. Yes, I mean, indeed. I hope she would say the same, but uh, I indeed. don't know. She does, yes. Um, you know, so, so she's, she's very easy to work with. Other people uh, are delighted. I mean, I work with a most, one of my favourite authors, Stefan Hell, who wrote a fabulous book on uh, Siam and the First World War. And he just said, oh, thank you, Nerissa. You know, you've made my German English. He writes English extremely well, but he's German. Yes. You've made it yes. into English. And he's yes. delighted. And, and, um, you know, and that's one of the books I'm most proud of, strangely. Oh, and it's a really... Yes, okay. It's a bit off the wall. It's not about art or anything, but... Such a good book. I mean, you know, how Siam joined the, the First World War right at the end. Right, right. Because <coughs> yes, I was going to ask you, of all the books that you've done, which are, the, say, the three or four books that most stick in your mind over the last 30 or so years? Well, I love the first one I did, Palaces of the Gods, right. just because, you know, and it was so ambitious at the time, and it was so spacious. It was a real, you know, what people like to call a coffee table book. I don't really like that term, but no. but it had fabulous pictures and the pictures were really allowed to breathe, you know. So that's one I'm very fond of. Then I'm very fond of Very Thai that I ah. did with uh, Philip Cormel-Smith because right. I do enjoy popular culture a lot. Yes. And that book picked up all the sort of quirky things about yes. Thailand. I, I've read that book and I, I own a copy of that and it, it's not particularly academic and so therefore I wasn't immediately drawn to it but when I in fact it was in a friend's house and I picked it up and I started to read it and I couldn't put it down because it was full of so as you say so, so many quirky anecdotes and so on and it actually taught me so much about Thailand practical Thailand that I hadn't realized before 
Exactly, and it was a sort of book, at that time, I think it was in the early um, new millennium and early 21st century, um, there were a series of books, you know, that, that sort of fad for books like A Hundred Things Define Thailand or yeah. this or mm. that. Mm. And um, Michael actually did a book with another publisher, which sort of annoyed me because it was about <laughs> uh, Thai popular culture, but I felt it was still fine fine popular culture you know it wasn't and it was uh, I thought it was a book I should have done and actually Phil did the book that I would have done if I'd had the time to do it right, right. and so I loved that book and also it sold incredibly well yes so yes. Always loves a book that sells very well oh of course yes yeah what other books are there oh then my father's book when oh, yes. my father he wrote his autobiography in Thai <coughs> called God Wang Barod which means born in Puruskawan Palace. Mm. And I think it's been reprinted 15 times mm. and sold thousands and thousands of copies. Every year we sell 2,000 copies. Right. So that's a sort of bread and butter book. Right. But it's also a very nice book because Thai people read it and they will come up to me and say, I have a very old copy in my house. I love this book. You know, your father's writing was absolutely brilliant. Yes. So that's very nice. That's very heartwarming. Yes, yes. And I should at this point say that, of course, you publish uh, often in Thai as well as in English. Uh, but your books are available right around the world. And I think that's an achievement in itself that you're, you're based in Bangkok. But you are very much an international publishing house. And uh, many of your authors are, are foreign. They're not Thai. And, and so on. And, and you, you know, you can go into a, a bookshop in, in London or in New York or whatever, and you can find your books. A good bookshop, yes. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because nowadays, I mean, you know, so many books are still published. I mean, I'm sure you remember a few years ago or a, few, a decade ago or something, everyone was proclaiming the death of the book, oh, weren't yes. they? Yeah, but indeed. it hasn't happened yet. No. I mean, I, I, what I have seen is that the guidebooks I used to do, I used to do a lot of guidebooks for... Cambodia, in particular with uh, Claude Jacques, who was a very dear friend who's, alas, no longer with us. Mm. And um, I think those have tailed off the sales of guidebooks. Plus, of course, that book was uh, pirated. Ah. And every temple you go to in Angkor, right. they will come up to you with my book. Yes. Um, you know, and say, five dollar, five dollar. Yes. And that's pretty galling. I must have lost, like, a million dollars. Yes, I, I know that feeling. Uh, uh, you know, I've written books, as you know, in the past, and uh, one of my books was uh, available in Indonesia in an Indonesian edition that no one had authorised. And then uh, what I found galling was that Indonesian journalists were contacting me, wanting me to be interviewed on a book that I simply hadn't known, you know, what the hell they had translated it. And uh, on top of that, uh, they'd uh, faked a cover and, and put in fake reviews from the New York Times and everything. And, and yet it was not a book uh, uh, that I'd had anything to do with other than having written the original English version. Yes, no, I mean, that, that is a big problem. And mm. also in Burma, too, they, they have uh, copied and photocopied the books. Yes. But at least when it's a photocopy and really appalling quality, yes. you'd, you, you mind, but you perhaps don't mind so much because it's quite clear which is which. Yes. But these ones are Angkor. I mean, the printing is so good. Yes. I sort of wondered whether they'd gone to the same printers or I don't know. Yes, yes. I once had the experience in Singapore where, in fact, my publisher at the time, uh, a branch of Macmillan, showed me two medical books that they had produced and they asked me to pick the copy one. And, and of course, I chose the better looking one and they mm. said, actually, that's not the one. Uh, mm. uh, that, that's not ours. Uh, the one that, that I'd chosen, the better looking one, was the pirated version. Yeah, yeah. So it is a, it's a real problem. Um, so that, which brings me to, to another question of, uh, say, over the last 30 or so years in publishing, what are the changes that, that you've seen? 
Um, well, when I started out, you know, with uh, with New Cavendish Books, mm. there were still typesetters. Oh, yes. You know, and I had a very close friendship with a typesetter yeah. in Bristol. Right. And we used to meet, and he, and, and in a way, that was so reassuring, because he was actually also a very good proofreader, and so he would pick up all the things that I didn't pick up, you know. Yes. Um, nowadays, obviously, if you're the editor, you, it's, the whole responsibility falls on you. Yes, yes. But, I mean, of course, it's much better in many ways. I mean, we've touched on the fact that I can be sitting by the beach in Cornwall. Yes. And I can be editing a book or even designing a book. You yes. Know? So that's fantastic. Yes. And um, I think the whole process has become much easier. Obviously, shipping books around the world still is, is a problem. And I wonder if mm. print-on-demand is something we should look right. at more. right. Um, a friend went to see some place recently and said it was really impressive. Right. It had moved on a lot. Ah. Um, mm. And then, of course, I suppose online books. Right, and also I suppose internet <coughs> sales too. That's the other thing. Uh, yes. And uh, the fall off of bookshops and and, uh, and and so on. Yes, and Amazon, of course. You know, bringing the price down. Yes. Yes. And then that's a huge problem. You know, and some people say that we should make the books more expensive, but then they're not accessible to other people. Yes. Yes. You know, who might? I don't know. It's it's a very tricky one. I mean, actually, selling the books, I think, has become more problematic perhaps in some ways although of course online you can reach people you would never have reached before uh, that, that's right um, yes as long as they know to, to, to search for you but I suppose they can if they have the right search terms and, and so on so in some respects the internet is, is a double edged sword for publishers it's killed off bookshops but then people can now reach titles that they otherwise wouldn't have known existed I mean, one of the things, I think, is conference papers, you know, because when you do academic books, often <coughs> people get in touch wanting me to do conference papers. I do think there isn't really a role as a hardback book now for conference papers. Oh, you mean to publish them as, to a, publish them as, a, as a book, yes, you know, yes. and, and that is... I think they're the That's most problematic books. That's very actually. interesting. Yes, yes, that yes, that is interesting because, in fact, uh, most conference papers these days are available in one form or another on the internet. Exactly. And then you can just simply print out the one you want, even if it involves paying a fee. But lots um, of them still want them to come out as a book. Yes. And then the other thing is, I'm doing. I've done quite a lot of archaeology books too. Right. Uh, in particular, with Charles Hyam, um, who has done a lot of digging in Thailand. Right. And um, archaeologists are the worst photographers. They oh. cannot take a good picture. They will <laughs> cut off right. half of the object or they'll put it on some appalling coloured background. Everything has to be cut out and redone. Right. right. I mean, actually, I'm quite well known for doing some of the most attractive archaeology books right. on Southeast Asian archaeology. Yes, yes. No, well, that, that's comforting because I'm sure, I mean, otherwise, I can imagine it, archaeology books being endless pictures of mud exactly. and, and shards. Um, yes, I mean, um, one of my friends at Thames and Hudson said, Narissa, you're the only publisher who would put a, a skeleton on the cover of a book. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a very arresting image, yeah. actually. Well, uh, yes, well, it's all, <coughs> all about marketing, uh, often. Um, tell me, um, all publishers have great stories about really difficult writers. Could, would you like to share one? Oh, you God. Must, uh, yeah, go on. <laughs> no, I don't think I can, unless they're dead. No, you probably dead. can't, unless it's li mean, it could be libelous. Yes, I've had some... I've had some Terribly difficult one. Yes, yes. I mean, one who one who died. Right. Um, but no, it's an it's a sad story, really. No, I'm, I okay. <coughs> I don't we'll, think so. I mean, we'll, I've we'll fallen out with very very few over the years. Yes, yes. Very few. 
No, I mean, everyone, uh, actually, um, you're incredibly popular and well-known, and, and the people who deal with you really like you. And, that, and in fact, that's one of the problems, because accessing you sometimes can be so difficult, because <laughs> there is only demands on your time, because everyone wants to see you. Um, it's hard. I mean, everyone wants to see the publisher in the end, yes, I think. Yes, yes. Um, and it's very difficult. I would say working in English in Thailand is still difficult. Right, right. To find people who want to come and do editing or you know yes yes yeah tell me for, for aspiring writers um, uh, in, in our sort of area so we're talking about Southeast Asian art and, and related areas and so on what advice have you got for, for writers if they're coming to you and, and how to get started and what they should do and what they shouldn't do well they must um, have really researched their subject because mm. I think sometimes people come having I think if you've taken just random photographs on your holiday um, <laughs> of a few nuns in pink robes in Burma or a few people with tanaka paste on their face, yes. you know, don't think that you can do a photographic book. Yes. So That's I would say to people, you must have a point to what you're offering. Yes. Um, don't come with just a general book yes. because really that doesn't sell anymore. Ah. And if you're not famous, I remember one person came to me. She said she'd what she'd written a memoir about Angkor, and I said, "Well, why would anyone buy? Are you famous?" Yes. And yes. she said, "No." And mm. I said, "Well, I, you know, I, I like you. I mean, you're very nice, but why is anyone going to buy your book?" Yes. Mm. If you want to do it as a vanity project, yes, and want me to do it, and then you buy it off of me and then you give it to all your friends I'm you know I can do that yes, yes. but I try not to actually because no. if it's going to have my logo on it yes it has to meet my standards so vanity know? project is when people come to <coughs> it and they'll essentially pay for it to be published yes. and yes. Um, but of course when they pay then they, therefore they want to control everything I suppose and then the, yes. you have a tension exactly. between you as the publisher exactly. with your, as you say with your logo and them still saying, oh, I've paid for this, but I want this to appear. Yes, and I can exactly. imagine, and I can, I can certainly imagine if uh, collectors come to you and they want to publish a book on their collection and they have items which are perhaps not quite right and po possibly even wrong, but they still insist that it appears. Well, yes, I mean, you know, I had a situation recently where the authenticity of some of the items was extremely dubious yes. and I did some research yes. around it and the story, the backstory of how these items had arrived in this person's hands was also extremely unbelievable. Right. So I had to just not do the book. That right. was very difficult. Yes, yes. Okay, well, that's terribly interesting. So even though uh, uh, people are coming to you and, and, and wanting to them to publish your uh, all their collections and, and so on, you're still actually very prepared to put your foot down and say no. Yes, and if they, for example, if they suddenly decide they love, I don't know, Tibetan boxes, and but they have never studied it. Yes. They just bought, say, 50, and then they want to do a book. Well, yes. that's not good enough. No. Unless no. they want to really take it seriously, go and find the top authority on it to write the book for them. Yes. Go to other collections, have some old photographs, etc., etc., etc. I'm not interested in Yes, it. I think that's a good point also. When collectors approach publishers wanting a book on their collection to be published, it can be quite narrow because uh, they only want their items published, and so it becomes 
a book on their collection but not a book on the topic because they're not publishing the best examples available so therefore the book suffers uh, almost because of the ego of the collector exactly I mean I think in those situations they should pay for the book yes yes um, and then it's quite clear yes um, that it's of their collection because I also say to people you know once your collection has been in a book that has been sold all over the world you the value of your collection is enhanced mm. so by putting your collection in a book you're already upping it. It's yes. like puffing your collection, yes. isn't it, in yes. a way? Yes, yeah. yeah. <coughs> well, publishing is really tough. I think everyone knows it's an incredibly difficult way to make money. And it's an absolute credit to you that you're able to um, survive and thrive and, and that you've, you're still putting out many books every year. So what, what do you see as the, the future for River Books? Um, well, recently, because of the sort of economic situation in Thailand under military government now, I would say quasi-military yes. now, yes. Um, less tourists have come and I think the sort of whole climate has changed so I have started doing more books in Thai oh. I've started buying some uh, rights of foreign books right and so getting them translated or getting out of print books and mm. getting those translated mm. Mm. and obviously the margins on those books are much much lower but you sell quite a lot Right, okay. And so that's one way. Right, right. Um, And then I want to sort of carry on the art books. I'm yes. trying to get this um, academic who lives in Burma to finish his book, but he's working with a Russian who oh. comes up with lots of different excuses why the book can't be finished. Oh, yes, yes. And the Russian's yes. writing 20% of the book. Right. This man's written 80% of the book. He still can't make him finish it. Okay, yeah. And I've suggested all kinds of things. Cut the book down, right. get rid of his contribution. Right. No. Anyway. Right. Yes, no, I think um, getting a book delivered uh, on time and... Uh, um which gives you enough time to obviously print and whatever, but to promote it ahead of time is yes. terribly important and all of that has to be factored in. Yeah. Well, I, I think it's been fascinating uh, talking with you, and I really appreciate this opportunity because uh, it's not often that you come a, across a, a successful niche, niche uh, publisher, and particularly one who's been uh, doing it for such a, a long time, and, and in Thailand, but for a worldwide audience. So thank you so much, Nerissa. Thank you, Michael. You have been listening to the World Art Now podcast in association with Michael Backman Limited. To hear more, visit worldartnow.com.